Thank you. Excellent work. There you go. Good. Our friends, um, thank you for that reading. That's exactly what I wanted. Thank you. For thousands of years, those chapters have either been read uh, privately or most regularly read out loud. Just think about that for a moment. Thousands of years. Every race on earth virtually, every level of technology, every language, some of the people who could hear it couldn't even read it, had to be read to them. People living in faraway places, in villages, you know, way up mountain ravines. And more recent times, people in metropolis uh, like, like New York or Sydney or something like that. That has been read for thousands of years. And every time it read, it's read, the same idea comes through. In the beginning, God. Four very powerful words. In the beginning, God. Friends, I think there's a rather exciting task before us. And before we move into it, I've got two kind of introductory questions before I've got my four main questions at the end. Here's my first question. There's a kettle boiling. And I can ask somebody, how do you account for that? Any kettle boiling anywhere, but this one in particular. How do you account for that? There's a couple of ways you can come at the answer, isn't there? One answer could be, and, and it's the sort of answer that we can give today as opposed to those people thousands of years ago. We can talk about, for in that one there, it looks like it's gas. Of course, gas is not good anymore, is it? So I should have a picture of an electric kettle. But, uh, but there's heat being applied and the water is rising in temperature and molecular change and so on and so forth. That would describe, as it were, the process of the boiling kettle. But what if I was to say, well, actually, no, the reason it's boiling is because I want a cup of coffee. That would be the purpose. Process, purpose. Which answer is correct? What a stupid question. They're addressing different things. You can see where I'm going. What we just heard from Genesis 1, nothing to do with process. Everything to do with purpose. Did you hear, and we'll, we'll draw our attention to it at the moment, every time, every few sentences, it was good, it was good, it was good. That's all purpose statements. There's meaning behind it. There's intention. It was good. There we are. Process or purpose. That's Genesis. It makes no sense to ask which is correct. They're addressing different things, are they not? When asking how we account for the boiling kettle, the process says the what and the how. The purpose is 
the who and the why. Genesis challenges us to the purpose of existence, not to the process that God used. In fact, if I go to that, to the how and the what and the why and the who, that's a summary. Summary. See, Genesis addresses huge questions. What should I do? How should I live? And it has issues for all of humanity, for all time. How do I establish relationships? Can I have a relationship with an animal? How, what's my relationship with the environment? You see, Genesis addresses that in terms of purpose, but not in terms of process. Because if it was only describing the process all the time, it would only fit one technology, one situation in all of history. No, this book is universal because it's talking about the purpose, not the process. Will we let ourselves take the book seriously? What will we make of the opening chapters of Genesis? Now, here's a, this is not a good, I'm not good at illustrations, but here's an illustration. Imagine Genesis gets arrested. What do you mean? Well, go with me with this, okay? We're in court and Genesis is in the dock and it's being, it's being examined. Genesis, explain yourself. Genesis, why have you not made any reference to evolution? Genesis, where the, why, aren't, why aren't there dinosaurs like the ones I learned about in school? And what about these days? Are these days 24 hours or a week long or an indefinite period? Explain yourself, Genesis. Explain yourself. Did Adam have a belly button? Wow, there's a good question. <laughs> Were the first animals carnivores? All these questions. Genesis, answer you. Come on, come on. You're in the dock here. We could generate a lot of questions for Genesis, couldn't we? But who do we think we are? Who do we think we are? See, it's not the questions we've got for Genesis. It's the questions that Genesis has for us. That's the real rub. Genesis chapters 1, 2, right through to chapter 11, like the introductory part of the book, is a great piece of literature. It's structured. It's orderly. It unfolds creation. It asks huge questions about being, existence, gender, the environment, flora and fauna, fellowship, fear, guilt. It asks all these questions. In fact, if you really want to understand it for the first time or well, I'd encourage you to get a little lectern like this when no one's looking, you'd probably nick one from church and take it home, I don't know. but uh, Put Genesis on it in an easy-to-read translation and read it out loud to yourself in your room somewhere and listen to yourself read it. Because as Jenny read there this morning, there are bits that are coming out that if you just read it quickly, you know, lying in bed or in a lounge, you wouldn't get it. But when you read it out loud... You'll get, you'll get more of it. You'll hear it. And you'll hear how the text, the actual structure, the text behaves almost like a chorus with constant repetition. Did you, did you pick up the phrases? And God said, and God said, and God said. 
Let there be, let there be, let there be. See, it, it's well ordered, this, this, this material. And it was so, and it was so. Creation is obedient. When God speaks, things actually happen. God saw it was good. It satisfied his intention. You see, the world is orderly. God reveals his creation as an orderly progression. And that's why we can undertake a course of action and get a desired result. That's why science works. See, if I, I've got my empty glass case here. My two fingers are holding it. What happens if my fingers release their grip? Well, that's a surprise, isn't it? <laughs> what happened if I let it go and it went like that? I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll have an experiment. We'll have a science experiment. Let's see what happens every time. Boring. But how do I know? If I let something go, it'll go down that way. It's not because of the law of gravity. There's no such thing as the law of gravity. What we've got is an observed sequence of events in this world that God has made and given the conditions in which we're living, if that gets let go, that always goes down. Aha! That helps me live an orderly, life, an orderly and structured life. Or like when I go gardening, I know there are seasons. And I know that if I put a certain seed in the ground at a certain time, it will grow. Or if I, if I graft something else, it will attach itself to it. See, all this world that God has made is orderly and there's purpose within it. Gardening with medicine works. And I told you how old I was. See, at my stage of life, I just keep on going through a series of system upgrades. You know, I've got one thing and stent here, a pacemaker there. Oh, it's all wonderful stuff. Then I've got these little tablets I take morning and night. Now, now I do it because the people have said in this, that they're not even Christians who've done it, but these people have said they've observed that if these certain things take place, this will be the result. So I take this, this particular tablet for my heart and the result will be I'm still, I'm still upright and aspirated. So I'm still alive. See, that's the world God's made. He made it with intention. Genesis 1 is marvellous like that. It teaches these things. It, it shows us that, that it, it really is timeless. Genesis 1 applies to all of time, all the time. And it climaxes as he goes through all these good things that he's done. It climaxes in humanity. It ends in a day of rest. And we'll come to that in a moment. This, the, the day number seven, because that's the key. And then we'll go on to see what Jesus says about it. But I said there are questions that Genesis asks us. Let's see what one of them might be. Why were you created? <coughs> that's the question Genesis asks us. The word God occurs 35 times in the first 34 verses of the Bible in Genesis. This book is not so much about creation. It's about the God who did the creating. Not the beginning of God. He, he's not a thing. He is spirit. Now, it's about God beginning everything. It's our beginning that God orchestrates. And everything in this world that God has made, in this creating activity of God, everything is divided into one of two groups. 
So either the group that belongs to creator or the group that belongs to created. It's a, it's a binary divide. God is not part of creation. He's there before it happens. He's outside of it. He's over it as Lord. It's his work. It's his creation. So there we are. Creator, God, created things. No thing, no thing has an existence on its own. Ultimately, it was created. So there are a lot of other kind of spiritual and religious ideas around like pantheism, where people believe that God is in, God is in the world, God is, the world is part of God. <clears throat> no. He made it. It's separate from him. Nothing has an existence of its own. Oysters, black holes, Taylor Swift, broccoli, wombats, Uluru, Kardashians, sandbanks at Terrigal Beach, Bindi's in the lawn, kookaburra laugh, the aroma of freshly brewed coffee, for summer breeze, winter chills. We could go on forever naming things that God made. All those things exist in the created department. All created because God initially spoke. As I said, there are only two positions, creator or created. Which column would the angels go in? Which column would the demons go in? Which column is Satan in? Which column is the Son of God in? So they're big questions, aren't they? That brings us, you see, to our first New Testament reference. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. We got that, didn't we? And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made and without him nothing was made that was made. Now who's that talking about? It's talking about Jesus. Right. So normally we talk of God the Father as the Creator. But here, at the beginning of John's Gospel, Jesus... How interesting. Or, if you go uh, uh, a little bit further on to Revelation 4.11, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. That's the question that Genesis is asking us. Who created you? My father-in-law was a very ill man. Uh, he had uh, polio and spondylitis. He, when he drove, a, he could drive, but all the operating of the car was done by his hands, not by his legs or feet. That's okay. It's good. He did not... Uh, uh, my wife, Leslie, was the first Christian in the entire extended family. And when they learned that their daughter uh, was going to marry a clergyman, um, uh, there, was, there was uncertainty. And a little bit of anxiety. And as if someone had walked into the house and said, do you all want bubonic plague? You know, 
it didn't go down all that well. But he was an intelligent man. We had these long conversations. Um, he was in hospital. Things weren't good. And the message was sent out, uh, can Jim and Leslie come and see me? The message never got to us. Uh, and we just turned up on a regular visit. He was panicking. I sent, asked you to come. Why didn't you come? We didn't. No one told us. Oh, what's wrong, Pop? I said. He said, I think my end is coming. So I said to him, I said, Pop, do you reckon God's actually there? He said, yeah, I think so. Do you think he made you? Do you think he's your maker, Pop? Yeah. That's good. I said, have you ever thanked him for that? No, he said. I said, mate, I think it's about time. And he did. And he believed. God is your maker. Nothing else. Nobody else. God. That's why we should honour him. The first question was that. By Genesis asking us, who made you? Well, the next... Another question that comes along, that is, you're owned by whom? Yeah, who owns you? See, the completion of creation is in the creation of humanity, people, man and woman. In the Bible, the word Hadam means not just a person's name, but it actually means mankind. It's got multi, multi uses. God breathed into the person. And he became a living soul. Genesis 1 doesn't say that he had a soul. It doesn't say that he had a body. Because Adam is a soul. Adam is a body. Fundamentally, humanity, mankind, is a unity. We are body and soul together. We're not kind of split up into bits. In chapter 1, verse 25... It says, and God made the, basis, uh, the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and li livestock according to their needs, their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. God has made man. He has given mankind dominion. We are to work, tend, steward the garden. Chemists and biologists tell us there are similarities within life forms which extends across to humans in some area. But humans are not the creeping things or the beasts of the earth in verse 24 or 25. We are different. I was watching television the other day and I saw a lady nursing a little pet animal and she referred to it as her fur baby. I'd never heard that before. Isn't that interesting? Or not? Because when she says it, I hope she puts all the emphasis on fur and no emphasis on the baby. We are not related to animals. We are different. All the, the, the earlier days in creation say that God made it out of what was there. But mankind, dust, and he breathes into it. The only sentient being into which God breathes 
is humanity. As much as we love our dogs, as much as we love our little pets and so on, they are part of creation over which we have dominion. They are not human. And we are not animal. Who does own us? Who owns us? We might own the animals, but who owns us? Well, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. For in him, it's talking about Jesus, in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rules or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And that's talking about Jesus. All things, everything involves Jesus. All things through him, for him, in him, before all things, his prior. All things, everything involves Jesus. It's all for him and through him. Friends, that, that is a, an enormous statement to make. And Paul makes it in the chapter, first chapter of Colossians. But consider this. Every person you know, every person you've met, no matter even if they are evil and corrupt, whether they're damaged or damaging, whether they're coercive or cruel, dangerous or demeaning, whether they're self-possessed or selfish, they are a creature created by God. Members of my family, and myself included, have been hurt by numbers of people. And I guess you have been too. Everyone who has acted unjustly toward you or disrespected you or used or abused you is created by Jesus. They do not exist apart from Jesus. He owns them, but my guess is they've rejected his ownership. They are his and they are answerable. All things have been created through him and for him. I wonder how that changes our prayers for those people. Are we pleading with God to bring them to Jesus and accept that they are owned by him? Uh, there was a... a electrician who came to our church when I was a minister a long time ago back in Liverpool and uh, a lot of electrical work to be done it was an old historic building um, just a this is uh, unsolicited advice but uh, uh, never ever purchase a building with a historic trust on it there's a tip for you in case you want to but uh, Mark the electrician came and he was uh, he was as rough as guts. That's a theological expression, meaning he was a pretty ordinary guy. But he was a brilliant electrician. So one day I'm talking to him as we 
we're walking across the grass, and I said, mate, um, Mark, um, uh, do you reckon God's there? Well, I'm the minister on my property. I'm paying him to do work, so he's going to give a good answer, isn't he? He said, oh, yeah, I guess so. I said, mate, um, do you reckon you'd be willing to acknowledge him as your maker? Do you think he's more powerful than you? And he said, yeah, I guess so. I said, here's the last question, mate. How do you know if you're pleasing him? He said, what do you mean? I said, you reckon God's there and he's more powerful? Uh, he's your maker, he's more powerful than you. Mate, if you displease him, you're never going to win. And he stopped, wa- he stopped walking with me. And then he, m- he turned around and faced me. I said, hello. It's interesting. He said, well, how do you know if you're pleasing God? I said, excellent question. Excellent question. And I told him about Jesus. And how he could be forgiven. You see... Jesus, who does own us, calls us back to himself through repentance that we might be forgiven. That's the the standard of of acceptability. We don't have to guess. We can actually confess. The third question, what is your future? And this is where it comes interesting in Genesis because you might not have realised this before. Perhaps you have. Day one, two, three, four, five, six days. Each day has a beginning and an end. And it was good. Day seven, no end. Why? Is it a misprint? Did God forget? What is it? Day 7, chapter 2, verse 1. And on the seventh, verse 2, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And this is where the whole purpose thing really ramps up. Because you see, it's intentional. That day seven has no end. Because day seven keeps on going. That, or the seventh day called Sabbath or called rest. It's, a, it's the same word in the original. In fact, the idea of rest is a dominant theme all through scripture. Those of you who remember back, I'm sorry, I don't mean you were there at the time, but in Moses and the Exodus, Where were they going? They were going to enter their rest. What a strange idea. You see, the rest idea doesn't mean that God had a sweat and he needed a cup of tea or Bex and a good lie down. It's not that at all. No, it's it's completion, completion to be enjoyed. Didn't Jesus say, invite people to enter his rest? And when you get when you get to the end of uh, the New Testament, to the Epistle to the Hebrews, look at that. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, hello? Day 7 in Genesis 2 
is front and center in Hebrews chapter 4. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us. Yes, we have. We've learned of Jesus. But the message they heard back in the Old Testament was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. If you want to actually put another word for the word rest there, you can actually say heaven. And the question is, when do you enter heaven? Not when you die. Don't wait till then. We enter heaven when we believe. So those of us who know Christ, who've been forgiven through no merit of our own, because of the forgiveness that his death achieved, we're in heaven now. It's there but not yet. We are gathered around the throne, before the throne of God above. We're gathered. We're in heaven now. If you like, spiritually, relationally. We've entered that rest. And in Hebrews, the people who have been who are reading the epistle of the Hebrews in the first century, the ones to whom it was initially addressed, they're ones who believed, or some claim they did, but they've started to step back. And they're starting to substitute other things. They're drifting back into Judaism. So when I was asked this morning, Jim, why are you still a Christian? It is partly because God has drawn me, yes. But it's also because I'm saying, I want to, I want to, enter into, I want to be in that rest. I don't want to give it up. So why are you still a Christian? If, if you'd have been up here and had the question addressed to you, from my point of view, that would have been far more interesting. Because we can just accept things, you know, one day after another. It's almost like Groundhog Day for those who remember the movie. Another day, another day, another day. Same old yawn. Do you not understand, friends, that this group of people gathered here in the name of Jesus... Who are, who, those who name Christ have already entered the rest. And now we are Christ's and we are not Wyoming Church of Christ or what, any other title we might give. You know who you are? You're actually missionaries. Because Christians like me now, I'm old enough to say this. Old age gives you a bit of benefits, really. I can look down on people. <laughs> but I can say, oh, I remember, I remember, I remember. I remember the Billy Graham Crusade. Oh, the, it's not like that now. Look at all the transgender issues. Look at all the, the other issues that go on. Look at all the drug matters. Oh, the, the, the world's gone to hell in a handbasket. No. We are all living outside the garden. As my mother was and my grandparents and my great... And all of them, way back. We're outside the garden. And we are now people who have been claimed by Jesus. And Jesus says... Have you ever met anybody who shouldn't be following me? No. And Jesus says, then why aren't they? And we say, because I'm bone lazy or I'm scared or I don't know what to say or I want to keep it all private to myself. Because my family a long time ago said, my father taught me, 
There are two things you never talk about in public. Politics and religion. You know who invented that? The devil. Genesis has taught us to be ready for the questions that Genesis asks us. You're made. You're owned. You have a future. Don't let go of it. Be thankful for it and rejoice. Amen. Anybody want to ask a question? Excellent.